Welcome to We'll See You in Hell. We'll see you in hell. It's a podcast where you come and listen we'll if you want to hear reviews about horror movies and sci-fi movies and fantasy movies and other movies too. My name is Joe DeRosa. This man singing is... My name's Pat Walsh. Um, it's a Thursday afternoon. I was just complaining to Joe. Nowhere to park. Thursday, 2 p.m. in a neighborhood that's that's los angeles in a nutshell everyone is home with a giant bong making others life more difficult you want to hear when you hear truly how stupid this fucking city is yeah this oh boy put me right in the fucking mood today <laughs> right in a fucking mood all right so i get up this morning like 7 a.m can't sleep Having a real, what am I doing with my life? I got a text from Joe at like 7.45, a text from my mom at 7.30, a text from another friend who goes to bed with his baby at like 9, so he's responding to my 9 p.m. text at like 7.15. I was like, could you all knock it the fuck off? Uh, but anyway, continue. Yeah, sorry. Uh, you were the third to text me, so don't worry, but it was... Pre-8 seems early to me. Woke up in a panic. What am I doing? Sure. With your life? Yeah, just every aspect of it. I was like, I know it'll make me feel better. I'll, I'll, I'll purge some more DVDs. I got too much junk around here. So I start pulling DVDs off the shelf that I don't want. Right. And then I'm like... Hey, Throwing them out the window. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know what? I got a, some video games I don't want either, and I got a couple extra systems, and I start piling everything up, and I'm, I got this shitload of stuff. And I'm like, you know what? All right, there's a video game place that also takes DVDs for trade. Right. I'll drive over there. That'll put me in a good mood. I'll walk the dog early, three miles. I'll, I'll eat some, drink some coffee, make some vegetable juice. Yes. Drive over early, early do a trade. It'll put a little spring in my step today. Uh, I drive to this place. It opens at 11 a.m. I get there at 11.05 okay literally yeah walk through the door got a trade to do guy goes it's gonna be about an hour i'm what? like okay so then i'm like so what does that mean till the trade master comes in till till til they can finish no 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 he's actively working on it it's gonna be about an hour to know if he can give you money yeah, yeah. so i go uh okay and i'm pretty confident in the trade so i'm like I'll just walk around the store for an hour. It's not the big of a deal. Uh, Sorry to keep interrupting, but aren't these usually like an $8 transaction? Well, I had a lot of shit. It doesn't matter. Okay. Even when it's been, even when I've had a $500 transaction, it. it hasn't taken You're an dropping hour. off a ton of shit. He's going to look through it and give you an overall price. Still, yeah. Still shouldn't take an hour. Absolutely not, but, but I get it. I thought you were handing him a DVD or something. No. So then I walk away. I'm walking around. The guy goes, oh, he's ready for you. I go, oh, that was fast. It's like five minutes later. I walk over. He goes, okay, so it's going to be an hour till I get to your stuff. Then it's going to be whatever amount of time it takes me to figure out. And I go, and I go, 
I got here at open. Like, and he goes, yeah, there's one guy in front of you. One guy in front of me. Because this is how fucking L.A. functions. I'm so, I'm so angry. <laughs> because this is how L.A. functions. It's, it's the, you know. Meanwhile, this store, I don't want to blow up their spot, but this. You should. This, well, I've, I've actually given them a shout out before online because I liked the store. I don't think I'm ever going to go there again. The store looks like a fucking bomb hit it. <laughs> I mean, there's just shit everywhere. There's nothing is organized. It's like, yeah. guys, you're not doing anything meticulously, clearly. Right. Anyway. So even then, I go. Also, the 11 o'clock opening. I've, I've never even heard of a business opening at 11 a.m. Outrageous. It should have been 10 a.m. <laughs> if you're retail, fun, yeah. even fun retail, 10 a.m. Yeah. So anyway, I go, all right, whatever. I'm still being cool about it because mm-hmm. I drove all the way out there. Then the guy goes, so... um. Uh, let me see your ID. So I give him my ID. He goes, I got half the shit unpacked already from the box. He goes, I need to see your ID. Okay. Okay. Give him my ID. It's my New York license. He goes, this is expired. I go, yeah, I know. And he goes, well, I, I, I can't take an expired light. And I'm like, well, it's my license. You can see that it's me. And quick pause. What does he need your license for? It's, I'm getting to it. <laughs> So I go, I go to Amoeba, I give them some albums for, for trade. No one's ever asked me for an identification. Yeah, I know. So I go, okay, here's my temporary license from the DMV that I just got. Right. They haven't mailed me the new one yet. Yeah. I, I, you know, and he goes, I can't take a paper temporary license. And I go, dude, I don't know what to tell you. My license expired. I got a new license. Yes. It's not in my possession yet. This is the paper they gave me. Right. He's like, yeah, I can't take that. I go, I buy alcohol with this. <laughs> if I get pulled over by the cops, this is what I show them. Yeah. He goes, can't do it. You got your passport? I go, no, I don't have my passport. <laughs> Who's bringing their passport to the DVD shop? Can I get a quick description of the man, please? Sometimes it helps me to visualize. I'm picturing a big fat guy with a long beard. Oh, no. Rick no. Rubin style. Guy about in his mid to late 40s. Okay. Physically, like everybody behind the counter in LA, <laughs> physically fit, <laughs> yeah. in better yeah. shape than me. Right. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like I should, you should be the one on the other side of this counter. Yeah. But for some reason, I look worse than you and have figured out how to live life properly. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, not to say that if you work in retail, you know, you know what I mean. So anyway, the uh, so uh, he, he goes, uh, he goes, I need your passport. I go, listen, man, I go, I got a picture of my passport. I'll show you that. He goes, no, I need the real thing. I go, sir. I have literally secured work in other countries by sending a picture of my passport so they can verify my identity. I'm showing you an expired license, a temporary paper license issued by the DMV, right. a picture of my passport, and I've got credit cards here with my name on it too. Yeah. I don't know what else you need. My picture's on all this stuff. Can't do it, man. Can't do it. And what is it here? What is he not doing with all Can't this? Can't do the trade. Can't. Can't purchase used goods from me. Because why? You're not a citizen in his mind? I go, I go, why? Who says? And he goes, LAPD. Oh, you're telling me this is a law? He's like, yeah. I go, and he goes, you want to drive home and get your passport? I go, no. I go, I drove a ways to get out here, man. Like, I'm like, dude, I'm I've been a customer here for years. I'm in your system. I'm right. in here all the time. Why is this an issue right now? 
Guys like, sorry, man, nothing we can do. LAPD, hands are tied. And I go, forget it, man, forget it. I'll just come back another time, meaning I'm never coming back because before that, it was going to take you an hour and 20 minutes to look through six copies of like, you know, It's Always Sunny season one and fucking The Odd Couple two or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, so, so I leave. I'm so aggravated. I'm like, this is a stupid policy this store has. There is no way this is a law. I call another game shop. Yeah. The guy, I get a guy on the phone and who I knew was the owner. It's, it was actually this place, Game Realms, that I really like a lot in Burbank, and I can recognize the owner's voice. And I was like, hey, man, I got a question for you. If I want to do a trade, and I break the whole thing down for him, he goes, yeah, dude, uh, we need like a valid picture ID that's not expired. He's like, that's the law. So I didn't get mad at him because now the guy's reaffirming like, no, this really is a law here. So we live in a city where the DMV can issue you a piece of paper that is literally good enough to buy alcohol, to vote, and to present to a police officer during an incident of some kind, and your identity can be verified from it. But if you want to go sell fucking Super Mario Brothers 2, it's not good enough. But why does Amoeba not do that, eh? Or any, just, or any place I've ever been might, to since I've lived here for 10 years. Because maybe it's video game related. I have no fucking idea. Okay, but then question... video game stores... Question have. two. Seemingly, the only reason the LAPD would be involved in this is to cut down on theft. If I break into a car tonight, steal a giant sack of video games and DVDs, and walk into this place, then I show them my ID... I've still stolen the. What are they proving? Like generally, if somebody steals something, they're still a person who has a license. Yeah, and also, hey, dip they're not sh- off the grid. Here's the thing, hey, dipshit. If I doctored a license to sell stolen goods, I'm not going to doctor one with an expired fucking date on it. Like I don't, you know what I mean? Like what is? It's clearly me on the license. So if you don't think that it's me on there, and you think that somehow I'm scamming you, do they run the license to? Sit? We need to look into this law. Do they run the license to see if know. you've stolen things in the past? I just can't even wrap my head around it. I, I, I was so fucking mad, dude. I was so mad. That's so outrageous. Then, here's the kicker. It's nutrageous. <laughs> it's outrageous Philbin. <laughs> I get home. I'm taking the box. I got a box full of shit. Two of which, two of the things in it are a Sega Saturn system, which is not cheap, right. and a fucking Sony PlayStation. I take the box out of my back seat to put it into my trunk because I'm like, I'll just drop this later in another store. Spill the block box. Both systems hit the concrete. Ooh. Who, thankfully, they didn't break. Okay. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to, you know, I won't know that till they plug them in at this place where I try to I mean, right. crack or anything. I'm just like, you got to be fucking kidding me today, man. <laughs> you got to be fucking kidding me. That's I wild. hate this fucking city so fucking much. If I see one more fucking open micer online with 12 times the fucking Instagram followers I have because they figured out how to post the right YouTube clip. I'm, I'm just, I'm done. I, yeah, well, I can't. Now, now I don't know where, it, now you, you're losing me, but. What do you mean? I, I, you, you were, if this was a debate, you were making some great points and then you took a hard ride into Instagram. Oh, I'm just talking about the, the people in this city. All right, fine. You go on Instagram, you go, oh, you know. Here's Deleted a, it from my phone. Don't here, look at it. Here's a guy who's been doing comedy three months. Oh, he's got 155,000 followers already? <laughs> Is he hot? No. 
None of them are. Got a big D? I don't know. Just yeah. something. I, I'm just so sick of it. I, I hear you. There's no escape. In, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's no fucking escape here. You, where do you go? How do you get away from the shit? That's true. I haven't had a drink in four days, by the way. I'm going. I haven't had a drink in about the same, and I've been doing uh, 10,000 plus steps a day because your phone tracks it. Yeah. Um, and I feel calmer. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if the drinking has anything to do with it, but the long, extensive walks each day helps me a lot. They help. I, I've been walking about 6,000 a day. They help. Yes. And I do feel much clearer, much sharper. I'm eating one meal a day, which I find fine. It, like, I don't get hungry. When do you eat? Um, you know, if somebody has dinner plans, then then it's that. If otherwise, I'll have a, you know, a big breakfast or something. I think if you're doing the one meal a day plan, which I'm sure no doctor recommends, <laughs> you're supposed to do it at the same time every day. But I sort of play it by ear. But you'll eat at breakfast some days and literally not eat another thing for the rest of the day. Yeah, and it doesn't bug me. And it's especially if you have a cup of coffee at some point, the you know, it just wow. is an appetite suppressant. I gotta drop a couple LBs. You know, I got in a bad place with work. That's all. It's already working. Good. Uh, I feel the mood improving. The mood lightening. I uh I guess I'm I'm in a real pendulum swing. I go from great to, to furious. Yeah. But uh, that'll work itself out. Uh, well, I hey, got- let's let's get on with the show. <laughs> yeah, and at the same time, on oh boy, we're we're clearly out of these. You know, <laughs> we're just out. On uh, with the Joe, a little Italian. There you go. How about that? Uh, I'm going to let you take full movie corner today for all three. I'm going to do six then. I'm going to do a rap- well, no, no, rapid no. fire. I'm going to, well, all right. Would you, I was going to say don't do six because I actually have three scream and ends. Oh, okay. So I was going to say I meet your three. I need to do some rapid fire and get some fucking things off my phone. With all this time off now, I've been watching a lot of shit. I'm going to be quick. All right. All right. Uh, I'll leave the horror in case we want to watch the horror. The horror? I'll leave. I won't mention the horror ones. You see what I'm saying? Oh, oh, I thought you were saying a movie named The Horror. No. And then I couldn't tell with your accent if you're saying The Horror. The Horror. Uh, All right. I watched. Let's just get into this. Fletch. Hadn't seen it in decades. Masterpiece. I'm, well, I'm doing a lot of uh, reevaluation of things. Always loved Fletch. When I was a kid, not one of my favorites, but but liked it quite a bit. Great laughs. And it is still solid, funny. Yeah. I don't consider it a, a classic by any stretch of the imagination. I think outside of the vacation, the three, the first three vacation movies, that's as good as it gets with Chevy Chase. And that is truly the only great chevy chase movie meaning this it's his movie yeah vacation it's his is beverly hills cop yeah it's vacation's an ensemble thing that is the truly one great chevy chase movie i can't i'd be hard pressed to think of another i'd agree i mean vacation you could argue michael hall steals that thing um but this, d'ange d'ange Quaid, i mean you Quaid, got a whole yes. it's just a cavalcade candy of 
Yeah. Um, but this is, it, it is a great vehicle for Chase. It is his Beverly Hills cop. The music is even the same. The go, gano, 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 go, nano, nano, I think it's the same yeah. guy did both scores. And then it'll get like deadly serious at times. <laughs> yeah. You're like what, what just happened? He just, he was just wearing a wig and buck teeth <laughs> and then a guy dies of like a heroin overdose. Yeah. I mean, they got him in <laughs> basically blackface at one point and an Afro. I mean, it's pretty wild. Uh, Fletch lives has its moments too, um, but whatever. Fletch, there it is. I'm, I'm going to go quick. All right. Uh, I watched Stepfather Two. It's streaming on Amazon Prime. They still have Terry O'Quinn in the mix. I think the Stepfather One is a fantastic horror movie. Really great thriller in the along the lines of Hand That Rocks the Cradle. One of my favorite genres. Never saw it. Stepfather? Yeah, I never saw it. Oh, well, it's fucking great. Um, I have the Scream Factory of that. Weren't you going to skip the horror ones you just said? I did, but you and I are never going to do Stepfather 2 on here. <laughs> Although, know. I guess maybe it's a prequel. Maybe I, we do the series. <laughs> yeah, I, I should have skipped it. You're right. I'm stupid. <laughs> but Stepfather 2, was. there's so little to say about it that that's why I'm just checking it off the list. All right, fair enough. This was such a paint-by-numbers horror movie. It like barely got a theatrical release, and the first one was a big hit um the family he moves in with in this one is not as interesting the script is not as good the direction is not as good the twists are not as good the kills are not as good and then after it was done they made terry o'quinn go in and add some violence because they thought there wasn't enough he didn't want to do it i think he thought he was making something serious and important right Um, stepfather 2 is a pretty embarrassing and lazy movie all right uh i saw stir crazy um i've got some thoughts gene wilder dickie pryor richard pryor um you know these guys are considered like a hope and crosby like a legendary comic duo and i've seen you know silver streak i've seen hear no evil see no evil which i think a lot of people love just because it was on cable so much when we were kids um, but Stir Crazy is considered the classic, mm-hmm. directed by Sidney Poitier. And man, you know, a big thing I've learned from listening to this 80s All Over podcast, which I recommend once again, is like sometimes they're like, I so wish I had not watched this again, you know, because it ruined my memory of it. Right. I had no great memory of Stir Crazy. I had seen it. Um, I, I like the two of them and they make it work. But, man, it is two hours. It should have been 80. Um, they're funny together. Don't get me wrong. Another movie involving blackface, uh, Silver Streak, also involves Gene Wilder in blackface. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of... It's, they, they dress up as chickens. Two other guys dressed as chickens uh, commit a crime. Robbery. S- robbery. So Pryor and Wilder wind up in prison. And then they're out of prison relatively early. I remembered it being a prison movie. It's not really. The, it's just kind of. No, they're in prison until the very end. They get out at the very, very well, end. Yeah. They escape at the very, very end. It's just very episodic. It's very, uh, yeah. you know, there's no real through line. And I don't know. It's the. It's my favorite of the Wilder prior movies. It's got the funniest Wilder and prior performances and scenes I've ever seen in any movie yeah in it 
but it dies about halfway through. It, it does it that does. thing that many comedies do where they're like, okay, you've had your fun. Now let's get to the story. Right. And then it, and then it starts revolving around this rodeo premise, like it almost like this longest yard. I guess that's thing. what I, 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 I wasn't for some reason associating the rodeo with prison. But yeah, the rodeo shit is boring as hell. They like, yeah, I mean, so, but I mean, up until then, that's one of those movies. The last truly funny scene in the movie is when Pryor is in uh, the hospital with Franklin Ajay. Yes. That's like the cutoff for when like the antics stop and it becomes about a rodeo. Um, and and this the, movie was a massive hit. Just yeah. massive. And then the end is like, the end is literally like, you know, them out in the desert, like, hey, can you believe we dug that hole and it worked? Like, right. there's like, no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no, no showcasing of, 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 of it all kind of working out. They just kind of get out at the end. Right. Um, anyway. Uh, I watched Lorena, produced by Jordan Peele, uh, which is timely because we're also going to be discussing Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone reboot today on the show. But uh, Lorena is a four-part, four-hour Amazon Prime documentary about Lorena Bobbitt. Um, Obviously, with that subject matter, it holds your interest. It's very juicy, but I was kind of like, all right, we know what happened. I mean... (laughs) What's what, what, how long are they going to go into the the semantics of how the dick cutting worked? And they do. You see pictures of the dick off the body. You see pictures Ooh. of the stub on the body. I'd like to see that. Um, but really, it does a nice job. It's it's no it's no excellent documentary, but it certainly held my interest all four hours, and that's no that's not nothing. Um, what the best part about it, and the reason for its existence is they really spend a lot of time going into how much late night hosts uh, and you know other comedians etc loved this story and made cutting off the dick jokes it seems like every comedian when i was a kid had a lorena bobbitt chunk um yeah and man they just laughed and laughed and laughed and this woman's crazy and like jay leno calls her a crazy bitch in a joke and it like makes you gasp like there's just all this leno comes off really awful but so do they all and sure enough lorena bobbitt now granted anyone who's going to do that has uh, some issues but she was being anally raped every night by her husband and on the stand which was a heavily televised publicized trial Mm -hmm. they brought up his friends and you forget that john bobbitt was like you know 25 at this time so you get these kind of like dumb looking mullet head guys from and they're up on the stand and they're like yeah you know john bobbitt was my best friend like did he ever discuss rape yeah all the time oh geez i didn't know that like it was like a big like would you say it was a turn on for him it was it sounded like it was the only thing that turned him on Oh, boy. And what about anal rape in particular? Yes, he would talk at length about how he loved to anally rape women and especially wow. his wife. And so so then you're like, well, now, wait a minute. And once this hits, um, and they have interviews with modern-day Lorena Bobbitt and also modern-day John Bobbitt, who conducts his interview while drinking from a 64-ounce big gulp of soda <laughs> <laughs> on a couch, and he's got a cup holder in the oh, couch for it, God. of course. But... He's out and talking and being interviewed and everything, and the whole time you're just kind of like, this is awful. Yeah, it you sounds know? awful. And they kept it from the news because it makes the story not funny anymore. 
Cutting off somebody's dick is a story the news can run with and have a field day with for years, and they did. I remembered hearing about it constantly when I was a little kid. And they knew, especially late-night comedians, if they really dug into this story and saw the true horror and darkness of it, that the jokes would go away. And that, I thought, made the documentary particularly worthwhile and interesting and necessary that this poor woman has... for Really, when I put this movie in, I was like, I'm not going to watch a movie about a nut job. Lorraine, thinking about Lorena Bobbitt. And then really, I'm like, you know, if somebody's anally raping me every night for years, I'd cut their dick off. Yeah, probably. I would think so. You got all these old, you know, Republican dudes who are like, you know, like, it, it, there's such a thing as cruel and unusual. Now, she wanted to leave. There's the door. But she didn't need to do something like this. And it's like, okay, buddy, then l- uh, let's see how you react. Yeah, that's fucking outrageous. The, um, you know, she weighed 100 pounds. And it's just like, yeah. And then it's and then it's uh, what's it called? There's you know the uh, it's it's a lot of those stories. It's the McDonald's coffee burn story. It's yeah, you know there's a bunch of those where that they they don't release the true story because the perceived story is much more sensational. Yeah, and it gets way more traction. I mean it's it's you know people acting like this sort of concept of fake news and bullshit journalism and. Uh, is like some sort of new thing that 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 you know Trump or the other side lit a fire. It's it's been going on forever. Yeah, it's all bullshit. Uh, yeah, but Bob had apparently performed at the venue that I just performed at in Vegas, and a guy was to, one of the comics there was telling me that he was like, "Oh, it was fucking awful." He's up there just fucking talking about how he got his dick cut off for an hour. Nobody knows who the fuck he is. Bob does stand up. Yeah. But he was like saying, he's like, he's like, these people don't remember who this guy is. You know what I mean? Like, it's like. Well, they don't go into that. They go into his porn career. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I do. But he made a porno with the dick. Uh, It was called Uncut. Everybody gets it to see the dick. It was a big seller. He makes a lot of money off it. Then because of the jokes like, boy, not not too big a penis for a porno. Ha ha ha. He decides. And they, they talked to the surgeon who did it. He was like, I told him like. We have given you your manhood back. We've like done like a Frankenstein style thing here and given it back. And uh, you should be really grateful and, and et cetera. And he does this porno and then is like, I want it bigger. I want it bigger than it was when it got cut off. So he goes back in with some quack doctor, pumps it full of juice, and it becomes this like amorphous blob, like where it's just like a big like things oozing out the side of it the operation was horribly botched and now that's what he's got because he wasn't happy with just simply having his dick reattached he was like it's got to be bigger so it never worked after the botched job it's been ruined now he won't he won't discuss that so clearly no but right they you know it got really badly mangled um good god what a pig the more i talk about it the more i realize i really enjoyed this movie it's it's got a lot to say <laughs> it's very good um, I did a rewatch of a picture called Greedy that I've talked about, I think, on this show. Stars two guest stars uh, from my own show, Cool Kids, and I talked with them both at length about how much I loved this movie when I was little. Um, Jerry Burns, who plays Leslie Jordan's boyfriend um, on the show, and Ed Begley Jr., who plays uh, the Zodiac Killer on the show. They are both in it. It's a Michael J. Fox vehicle. And Kirk Douglas plays the patriarch of this big family. Yeah, yeah. He's in a wheelchair. He's on the verge of death, and they're all trying to get his money. 
the first act of this thing, and you know, I, I, I assume people know this. Movies have or generally have a three act structure. The first act, I was howling. Phil Hartman destroys. I've never seen Phil Hartman more unhinged and more nasty. Right. I remembered he's got the hair slicked back, you know, and moosed back. But I always remembered this line that is one of my favorite lines in a comedy. Um, and Phil Hartman goes, you know, I didn't like the Beatles and I don't like you. <laughs> and I, I just remembered always loving that. It's funny to hear it when you see it in the movie. It's a little less funny. And I would say that about everything else in this movie. The first act, they are fighting. Phil, it's actually, it was before Rushmore. So the funniest scenes of Rushmore to me are when Bill Murray is like beating up his kids. Okay. Phil Hartman has seen like his he's got like a an annoying teenage son and the son's like shut up dad or whatever. He goes in and like mashes his son's face into the table, like bashes his head down. There are scenes where like they're they're brothers and cousins <laughs> and they'll they'll gr- grab each other's face and throw them into like a wall or a vase or something, breaking shit over each other's head. There's some insane comedy violence like three stooges shit. Very unexpected and very well directed by Jonathan Lynn, who did My Cousin Vinny, a great comedy director. Austin Pendleton, who played the stutterer in My Cousin Vinny, has a hilarious scene late in the movie where he's just an obnoxious desk clerk and Michael J. Fox is trying to get upstairs. It's a perfectly written two and a half minute scene. Movies written by Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel, who did Splash, Multiplicity, all kinds of big big hits. Um, And basically for this first third i'm enjoying it but going this is a jay fox vehicle where is jay fox and they cut to him finally and he's like a bowler with nancy travis of uh last man standing fame and then like another movie starts where it's like michael J. fox's story then it becomes a complete drama for the last hour it does where jay fox and kirk douglas are like talking about life and money and there's twist after twist after twist but there's no laughs and the cousins are out of the movie for a while when they brought all the comedy energy at the beginning i've never seen a movie structured this bizarrely and i could honestly say that i thought it was a very bad movie yeah Uh, and this is a movie i had very high thoughts of when i was a boy yeah so a lot of these revisits that i'm doing are not paying off to say the least all right I think is that five that's five of six I'm doing one more quick and that movie is going to be Greta newly released that's a theatrical release Greta is uh Chloe Grace Moretz who I like doesn't look great and uh Isabelle Huppert who was a phenomenal actress French actress um directed by Neil Jordan of The Crying Game and also many bad movies um that guy's all over the map again it's a psychological thriller i was very excited to see it because they make so few of them and i love the genre this thing's bad uh it's going to be i assume very quickly coming to uh streaming and on demand and all that i saw it at the theater um it is a thriller with zero thrills there's one kind of there's one moment of violence that sort of makes your heart give one extra beat and then just kind of goes back to being boring. The plot is Chloe Grace Moretz uh, befriends a kindly old woman. Turns out the old woman like really wants a daughter figure, basically. Okay. And becomes too obsessive and too close. 
but it's all these scenes of like she's a waitress at a restaurant and then she looks out the window and who pairs looking in the window at her <laughs> and then the whole shift she's like she's still out there looking at me through the window and i'm like okay and then her boss is like uh-huh and she comes in to eat and she's like uh, well i i'm sorry I can't, I can't order why won't she take my order and she's like she's crazy get her out of here but like these aren't exciting things to watch. Yeah. Um, the actresses are good. It's just a very, very average movie, and I can't recommend it. Well, all right. Uh, let's do a little Scream and in. I got no thoughts on Greta. I wish I could hand it hand you a few. No, it's fine. I will say Chloe Grace Mortis, uh strange choices, you know? She'll be in, like, these award-winning, you know, critically acclaimed things, and then she does these ridiculous you know she like, does five you, pictures a year it's like why are you in dark shadows yeah well to yeah. work with tim burton i assume which although tim burton now is not tim burton then you gonna see dumbo that ain't t- tim burton one tim burton then either that was well yeah. past that was yeah that no, was fuck no i'm not seeing dumbo i'm not seeing dumbo you either. a rat's ass about dumbo i and I'm, i've probably said this before when i was a kid if you would have told me there would be a new Tim Burton movie that I would say, not only am I not going to see it in the theater, but I know I'll never see it, and it's just going to keep happening, I would have slapped you in the face. And I haven't seen his last couple of movies. I didn't I see the Peregrine's Home of Falcons or whatever the hell it was. I'm getting a feeling about Tim Burton that he's been missing longer than we think he has. <laughs> uh-huh. And that the people... Because even the people like us that love Tim Burton movies... You love a couple of them, and even those don't line up with fans. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, no, I don't. for instance, like one of my favorite Tim Burton movies is Beetlejuice, the best. I love Beetlejuice, classic. But then my buddy wasn't that into Beetlejuice, but he loved Nightmare Before Christmas. I don't really care about Nightmare Before Christmas. Agree. You mean other people? Some love Scissorhands. Some could give a shit about it. Some love Batman. Some hate it. I think it's all a matter of. The ones you do like, I'm not even sure if they're good or not. I mean, maybe you're just kind of caught up in the right moment when you saw it at that time period or something. All of but, his, I revisit again and again and have no issues. And I'll I'll go with him, Pee Wee, all the way through Sleepy Hollow. Beyond that, I can't go. I can't do it. And I don't think he cares. I think he... I like Big Fish, I guess, but I never want to watch Big Fish it is fantastic. Again. Big Fish is fantastic. One of the favorite movies of my wife. But... I uh, I feel like he doesn't care anymore, and he's got to be making five million a picture or something. But it's the same thing with Spielberg or something. But Spielberg still tries, and it's like, what? what how much money do you need? You know? Well, you can tell when Spielberg's heart is in it, and you can tell when he's just like, right. Yeah, I know how to do this in my sleep. He's got. I mean, Ready Player One, and um, even some elements of Jurassic Park, because he was busy working on Schindler's List. And I'm sure more things we don't know about. He sort of farms out the direction to like second yeah. unit. And I think that happens more than people know. Well, Tim did, Burton's probably doing something like that as well. He did it on Jurassic Park 2. I don't think he did it on 1. He was directing Schindler's List. And giving notes and stuff. Apparently directing Jurassic Park 2 via monitor long right. distance. Right, right, <laughs> Uh Anyway. Um, all right. Screaming in. Uh, Is one about Nicolas Cage? No. Okay. News stories for the Scream NN 24 hour news psycho. 
I'm still not remembering the name of that correctly. Anyway, Helen Mirren yells, fuck Netflix. Saw that, yeah. At a panel. Thank you, Helen Mirren. Very nice of you. I like it. And I like what she did. She's like, look, Netflix is great, but let's not act like there anything that, there's anything that beats going to a theater and sitting down and experiencing a movie. Agreed. You know, but, like, but more and more people say people say they're right. Just the other day, our friends, uh, Vince and Georgia. Georgia of uh, my favorite murder fame, Georgia and Karen. Yes. But I said, you know, I'm all excited because tonight I'm going to go see Stop Making Sense. Easily my favorite rock documentary, The Talking Heads. It's a masterpiece. I've seen it 50 times. Never seen it in a theater. The sound design of that movie is so incredible. They got a dance floor at the Wiltern. I can't wait. And Georgia's reaction and, and no criticism of her, but she said, but you could just watch it at home. Why would you do that? And... For me, it's a real thrill to get to see it at a theater. And I think that more and more people would side with Georgia nowadays. And I get it completely. There's many nights I don't want to leave the house, but you kind of got to. You got to keep that experience alive. Pet Cemetery, which Joe is seeing tonight and we're going to do next week. You got to see that at the fucking theater. You have to. Yeah, it's not. that's not going to be the same. Well, I thought what she was saying with that was, because this is how I felt too. I was like, I don't know that I would go out of my way to see a concert movie at a theater. Uh, even at the Wiltern, like with a great, amazing sound and everything. No, I, okay. I mean it would. Ju- I would just feel like I wasn't seeing a concert still. Okay, I guess Th- I that, get that. that's all. Like, but you know, it feels weird to go to a concert venue and then look at a screen and there's no band there. That that that's how I took that. Sure, because I agreed with that. But anyway, people, regardless of what her opinion was or wasn't or or mine is or isn't, it's uh, it is true. More people are just you know. People want everything fed right into their house without thinking about it, uh, you know. And uh, first not- question you get whenever you recommend a movie to anyone is it on Netflix? And when I was running the show, I would talk about movies I loved. Occasionally, it's like this movie. Oh, well, what's that? And I would say, oh, I'll bring you in the DVD. And it was people. You could just see people's like, what? What? Yeah, it's and these are writers, people interested in the arts, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's fucking crazy. It's uh, it's you know, it's it's. Uh, God, don't get all right. I was gonna get real negative for a second there. I just uh, went to watch Pet Cemetery too. Um, we're gonna do a big all-encompassing book, both versions of the movie, uh, new version of the movie Pet Cemetery podcast next week. But um, I went to go de- watch Pet Cemetery too, and I'm like. It's on none of the streaming services. So this, oh, you know, everything's great. We've got everything we want, except any time I want to watch anything. It is not on any Did of the Did you rent it? I Well, I went to rent it for four ninety nine, and then I saw you could buy it on Amazon for three ninety nine. <laughs> so I bought it. I'm like, yeah, then I'll have something. It's a bad purchase. Then I can take it over to uh, your guy and <laughs> kill three hours. <laughs> Uh, I'm curious to hear what you think of that sequel, but we'll talk about it then. Um, second story, and folks, here's why Marvel sucks. Oh, boy. Oh, this is such poetic justice. The trailer for Joker came out. I didn't watch Finally. it. This thing looks so fucking good. Does it? It looks like a goddamn Scorsese movie about okay. the Joker. Okay. It looks fucking incredible. You've got... I heard mixed things. It looks amazing. You've got Joaquin Phoenix yeah. dancing around in clown makeup. The voiceover of him okay. being like, my mom always told me to put on a happy face and try to make people laugh. Then you see him getting 
beaten half to death by like thugs in the street right. and then him slowly getting crazier and crazier uh, throughout the trailer and then the last line it reveals him in the full Joker wardrobe and he goes I always thought my life was a tragedy but I realize now it's a comedy Joker title screen comes up it looks fucking it looks like art it looks like a piece of art I can't even believe this is this is uh, what's his name from old school Todd Phillips Scorsese produced it right I believe so, and it shows. Todd Phillips always put a lot of style into his movies, that Hangover and all, all that. He, always, but I mean, the 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 the. I talked to Pinkstone about the trailer, and he goes, "I think that movie looks awesome, but I think it looks absolutely heartbreaking." It made me feel very sorry for him in the trailer, and I was like, "Yeah, it is." And Todd Phillips keeps saying the genre of this film is tragedy. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely a tra- going to be a tragedy about a man who an awful society beats over the edge and he snaps and becomes the villain the patrick walsh story (laughs) it looks fucking incredible and then de niro's in it de niro's playing a late night talk show host so now everybody's like saying like you got de niro in front of like a multicolored curtain so people are making king of comedy parallels King comedy a true masterpiece yeah this thing looks so fucking amazing, and what, I'm like, what? Why is there a late night talk show host in the Joker movie? I don't know yet. Okay, I think his, I think he's his dad. I think. I think that's weird. All right. I thought it said De Niro. I don't know. It, I don't know. My point is, is you see, you just see him in front of that curtain, and it's clearly a nod to King of Comedy, right? But anyway, and it takes place in like '81. And it looks like 81, truly 81. It doesn't look like people in 1981 costumes. Right. And I'm just watching this fucking thing, thinking about everybody that says DC sucks. And it's like, you know what? Have fun at your Paul Rudd fest (laughs) for the 19th time at a theater where everybody's doing Stallone style quips from the from the early 90s well I mean the the Joker may be great but DC does suck they've made no good movies no good movies we've been over this no good movies yeah Suicide Squad Batman and Superman you you know you know we've discussed them all you don't like the new new movies you didn't see Wonder Woman which was good Uh, I did see Wonder Woman and I didn't like it all right but the, you can't say... Is that okay, everybody? You can't say DC's never made good movies. Just you don't like the new ones. Um, I didn't... I wasn't aware they had... I wasn't even aware Wonder Woman was a DC, really. But what are the you, ones I'm supposed to like? You like the Burton ones. You like Batman. You like Batman Returns. Oh, well, I don't count you that like the no, Well, those are DC movies. All right, fine. Uh, anyway. I'm, I'm talking about the new Marvel DC world. My point is this. That I, I, I hear the criticisms... Of, criticism, cri- fuck. Criticism. Criticisms of new DC. I hear them. I understand them. I get them. I don't agree with all of them. I agree with some of them. But I will say this. This is a company. took a minute for them to find their footing. They have found what looks to be an incredible tone in this new film. It looks incredibly dark in the best ways possible and i just think it's gonna fucking i think this is gonna be like oscar level shit it looks like a film which is phillips right awesome i don't know if phillips wrote it or not but um it looks great all right uh last but not least yes mark hamill is voicing chucky it's exciting it is exciting and god damn voice actor yeah now i want to see the fucking movie i didn't want to see it you remember how both how pissed we both were when they said an a-list actor was going to do chucky we thought that was a huge mistake but now it's mark hamill and now i want to see it because i feel like not an a-list actor by the way 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's he doesn't the thing. get your movie made. That's what an A-list actor is. Yeah, I, I was like, they were saying it like it was going to be like George Clooney's voice, right, inside Chucky, and it's like, you know, Hamill. That makes sense. Yes, yeah. and he's right there in that sort of. I mean, he's more. He's got a higher profile than Brad Dourif, but he's in that Brad Dourif zone of like amazing character actor. Yeah, you know, sort of chameleon that can morph into all different styles and personalities and voices. And I think he's going to be a really great Chucky. And the idea that he's probably going to be a crazy guy that hacks into the doll, I believe, and not the doll just goes crazy because of a bad program or whatever. Right. Makes it a bit more interesting to me uh, that he's going to be a lunatic controlling the doll. So that's sort of still within the world of the original film's concept. Um you know they're just taking out the supernatural element um so uh now i want to see child's play uh i do too aubrey plaza plays the mom which is uh interesting the mom was sort of a non-character i think in the other child's play no she's pretty big it's the lady from um i just don't remember her bringing anything to the party and i think plaza will i i did I disagree. I'm not trying to be difficult. I disagree. The uh, I, the, the the first movie, the mom's is a pretty central character, and I like her a lot. It's that lady from Star Trek Four, uh, the whale lady. Can't I remember her name. Star Trek Four. You never saw Star Trek? It's the best Star Trek. I've only seen Wrath of Khan. And then well, the actually, Wrath of Khan's the best Star Trek. Star Trek Four. I own the thing. I've only seen uh, Wrath of Khan. It's a comedy, and they pull it off somehow. And I've seen the terrible generations and all those. Yeah, those suck. It's uh, it's like a comedy, and they they have to go back to the eighties to get. I've heard a it's great. I'm going to watch them all one day. I'm going to do a marathon. Though. It's amazing. It's uh, Spock tries to learn how to curse, and he can't do it. Right. And, you know, there's very very funny scenes. All right. There's like bone. You know, there's a lot of bones. Like he has to go to a modern day hospital. All right. You know, and then he's like looking at like the technology. He's using. It's a lot of bones being like, it's like the goddamn dark ages in here. You know? Yeah. It's very funny. Okay. It's very, very funny. Um, the Joker is written by Phillips and Scott Silver, who wrote, I mean, The Finest Hours, which no one saw, The Fighter, which I thought was decent, and Eight Mile, which I liked, the Mod Squad movie, which was terrible. So that's a weird and very spaced out career. Um, but I'm excited to see it. Well, he might have just been a, you know, a sort of collaboration punch up guy. Yes. One uh, more quick screaming and Nicolas Cage got married in Las Vegas this weekend. Divorced. Divorced four days later. <laughs> and he was super drunk when he was doing it, apparently, like belligerent drunk. And he kept saying to people, I don't like this woman. She's just trying to steal my money. And she was like, you don't have to marry me if you don't want to. And onlookers were like, what's going on here? But he's like, this woman's trying to take my money. I don't want to marry her. Her boyfriend's a drug addict. He's a drug dealer. All this crazy shit. They get married. And look, the man, you know, these stories, the more they break, we're never going to get him back in a... Uh, in you know a, a Hollywood movie again, unless it's a voice like Spider Verse or hey man, look Hollywood ain't making the good movies. I don't want them in a Hollywood movie again. I want them in Mandy movies. I want a Mandy series of movies. That you would know? be great. So speaking of Nicolas Cage, here's a hangout that I would literally snap your neck right now to be a part of. Okay, I go online. I I've, I've told you I recently sort of befriended Ron White from doing a show with him. Yeah. 
So I followed him on Instagram. His Instagram, there's a throwback Thursday. Actually, it was a, it was actually a, an Instagram post from his tequila company, number one, Juan. I've drank a bottle with him, yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. Uh, try, they, they don't sponsor us or anything. Try number one tequila. It's really fucking good. Right. Anyway, um, uh, it was like throwback Thursday to Ron's such and such birthday celebrating here or so-and-so, so-and-so, Ron White and Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and they're in some green room. And it appears that Ron White is like dancing around. I'm assuming they've been drinking the tequila. Sure. And Cage is like bopping his head. And I was like, love it. What did that night turn into? Love it. <laughs> what did that night turn into? Yeah. Son of a bitch. Um, to be a fly on that wall. Uh, Skip let's talk yeah. about Twilight, the Twilight series, zone. starting the with Twilight Breaking Dawn. Zone. Yeah, yeah. I do you ever see any of the Twilights? Uh, you you couldn't. Wild horses couldn't drag me to it. I think just uh, just to say, like you know, sometimes I like to see a big cultural event for the jokes. You write on these shows, and you want to know the references and stuff. Um, I watched part of the first one, maybe finished it. So terrible. So terrible. Um, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the new Twilight Zone, of which Joe and I have seen the first two. Uh, that's all that's been released so far. It is on CBS All Access. You can watch the first one for free there on Amazon Prime on YouTube. Um, if you want the second one, you can do a seven-day free sign-up. I mean... For this show, a show with this pedigree, Jordan Peele coming off Get Out, to go to CBS All Access, they must have put a considerable cash offer on the table. I bet they had offers all over fucking town. And to go with them, not the cool choice, believe me. Well, let me cut you off. Yes. I think CBS still has the rights to it. I oh, think. Oh, so they, you're right. They probably had a first look. Well, but wait a minute, No, that's though. probably right. First look. Yeah, CBS has the rights because they've put out the latest Blu-ray. It was away from CBS. Well, I, I shouldn't say away. Uh, it, it, you know, the Twilight Zone from 2001 with Forrest Whitaker was put out by New Line Cinema. Okay. The last, deep, the last Blu-ray set that you and I both own that came out is CBS. So CBS has the rights. So the fact that it's on all access, and I said this to you, uh, was a bad sign to me. Yeah. Because why? And in fact, CBS had the rights in the 80s too. And I think they did the original show. So I don't know. Maybe they lost it for a minute. They got it. Or I, I don't know. doesn't matter. The fact that they're the right hold, rights holders and something of this caliber with this much star power in it and this, this higher profile, a guy behind it or at the helm, why is this only going to streaming? And I said, this, that, that's not a good sign. I mean, I why think. is it just not on regular television? Why would Yeah, why would yeah. you not put this on regular television and then drop your early episodes on streaming and get people from both fucking sides of it? This is a huge fucking show that they're about to drop. Huge, and it's, it seems like CBS... So, you know, people like that Good Fight show, but I've never seen that. The, they haven't had their breakout, and I signed up for CBS all, The Trial... And really, they're just showing Big Bang Theory repeats. If you need to find Big Bang Theory repeats, 
uh, try turning on any television in America and waiting for one second. So I don't really get it. Clearly, they were like, this is going to be the big launch of CBS All Access. And, you know, I feel like it was a very strange move to put this first one online for free because that usually is such a sign of confidence. Um, I do want to say up front, the gentleman who wrote it is a, again, a, a friend would be too strong. In this business, you have a lot of acquaintances, people you meet. Alex Rubens, he's a great guy and a brilliant writer. Folks, um, you don't hear these disclaimers before a good review. <laughs> and in the Jordan and the Jordan Peele camp, you know, uh, Jordan Peele, uh, of course, is, uh, you know, friendly with Joe. Uh, I've never met the man, but... Um, Very nice man. You know, I think in hindsight, and I'm going to see us again, I think we might have come down a little rough on us. I do want to see it again. Um, but... There is sort of a weird thing a brewing. The 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 reviews have not been good. Um, oh, the third party we should mention is that Joe and I <laughs> were uh, friends, certainly with Kumail, who was the star of this first episode. Yes, and uh, I haven't seen him in a while as he becomes a massive star. But you know, it's a little awkward to talk about. But this podcast, of course, we got to talk about the Twilight Zone and. It's weird because any show, the pilot is usually the worst episode of any show, without question. Um, you know, the, the worst episode of The Sopranos is the pilot. It's a little clunky. Mm-hmm. People are figuring shit out. But something like The Twilight Zone, each one is its own self-contained thing. So it's not really that. And I read, you know, The Hollywood Reporter had a particularly, I would say, way too nasty, scathing review of the first four episodes that might as well have like called it a piece of shit. <laughs> But they're like, all four of these are terrible. Um, and are, did they do 13? Did they do 22? I don't know. The reporter review I read was of the first two. And he said, the he goes, one of these is a classic. One of these is not. And he really went in That hard. was Onion AV Club, oh. I think. The uh, Hollywood well, Reporter guy. That's the one I read. Whatever Hollywood Reporter reviewed the first four and said they were all terrible. And he was rough. Um I mean, look, this first one right off the bat, it was clearly moved to the front of the line because Kamel was in it. I think he was a smart choice for casting, but I think the network pushed this to be the drop episode. Kamel Uh, is very good in it. And he is very more dramatic than I've seen him. Everybody is is good in it. Yes. And they're doing the best with what they're given. But I mean, it's just look, guys, it's called The Comedian. It's about a comic who finds out there are certain repercussions when he does certain types of material on stage. I won't ruin it for you. Uh, the final twist is pretty cool and interesting. Not nearly enough to save the episode. Uh, what's wrong with it? Uh, in my opinion, we've seen this premise many times from Rod Serling himself. There are two episodes of the original Twilight Zone that revolve around ventriloquists. And before you say, well, this is a remake, then it's not. This is not an adaptation of a Rod Serling story. This is an original story. Rod Serling also did an episode called, I believe, Make Me Laugh on the first season of Night Gallery uh, that Steven Spielberg, I think, directed. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is an excellent episode of Night Gallery. It handled this type of concept better. Um, You know, Tales from the Crypt has done the thing about, you know, the twisted ventriloquist or comic. This, This premise has been done before. Uh, the danger on the other side of the laughter or whatever. Or, you know. So to do this again, you got to do it really special. And to do it really special is not the way they did it. 
by making a solid hour version of one of these stories way too fucking long. It way too fucking long. It so felt like a half hour, you know, like you just there's so much that can come away. It's very repetitive um, and not in a way where the, where the new layers are, are adding any reveals. Um, it just kind of keeps happening and it's unpleasant. And I mean, you, you, you spend time in a really unpleasant man's uh, head really for a full hour and everybody in it is unpleasant. And I, you know, for me, I was kind of like comedy is rough. The You know, whether you're a stand up or a writer, or whatever else you got to, and uh, you know, some of the themes I liked, you got to use people in your life um to make great art great comedy i get that but um it, but it just sort of i just kind of kept wanting to get away from it you know in a way that wasn't fun the, the problem with this episode was the same problem that i had with us they were trying to do too much they were trying to say too much it didn't need to be that complicated Yes. Uh, you know, at the beginning of this episode, this guy is supposed to be, you know, one of these sort of social commentary, self-righteous comics that does care. You get the sense in the beginning of the show that he does care and he's bombing with material that he cares about because he's being too preachy. But you don't think he's being phony. You think that he does care. By the end of this thing. The idea is you're full of shit, you use people, and and you don't really have respect for anybody. It's like, well, then you have to set that up at the beginning. There's no part, there's no point in this where you're where you have this transitional moment where you go, uh-oh, he's now becoming the thing he beho beholds or beheld. Yeah. It, it just never happens. It's just all of a sudden he's a bad guy, and there's no seed planted for that. It's Tracy Morgan. I'm sorry is 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 passable in this role that he plays this mystic. You He's know, barely in it. I found that so strange. Unless they knew this was going, they must have known this was going to be the premiere, or they wouldn't have you know gotten the guy that big for that little part. Yeah, he's he's he's. It's a bad casting. It's distracting. It's distracting to see Tracy Morgan in a role of like the sort of mystic overseer kind of guy. Yeah, which again, this has been done before, and it's been done better. Uh, and no offense to your friend, but to me, the writer of this thing has never set foot in a fucking comedy club and has only got his idea of a comedy club from the movie Punchline. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. It's like he's got comics like basically like in the green room getting like they're having a conversation then a page comes on five minutes till stage jesse jesse report to this i'm like what is happening right now there's crystal chandeliers hanging to, to me i put a lot on the director and the set design unless they were like, going for some weird this? like old like it is supposed to be the twilight zone so things are a little different but like I have never seen anything look less like a comedy club. It was outrageous. And they were and they were painting it, by the way. It was called Eddie's Comedy Club. Okay. Yeah. First of all, terrible name. Eddie's Comedy Club. And then eventually when you meet Eddie, like halfway through the episode, he's this guy. He's like he's like a, a an extra from Black Mass. Right. He like comes in, he's got this silk shirt unbuttoned down to like his, you know, his his rib cage. Yes. And he's got like dark sunglasses on. He's like, hey, yous, it's your big night. I heard yous killed. It's like crazy. Yeah. And you're like, guys, this is so stupidly cliche. And by the way, 
if this is the club you want to portray, if you want to show that the fat guy that belches and is misogynistic that goes on stage and says horrible things is the star breakout guy in this club that does really well every week, well, then you can't make the club look like a fucking artsy ballroom where the most alternative show in town would take place. It's, it doesn't make any sense. It's like people are in suits in the audience. You know, it's it's a... It's a strange vibe. It felt like it was like the Cotton Club or something. Yeah, it looks like it's like a weird, like thematic. It just doesn't work. I don't know if they were trying to make it look weird, like you said, because it's Twilight Zone. It just doesn't work. The director did San Junipero, which uh, is you know a very beloved Black Mirror episode, and that the look of that was just fantastic. It was the one set in the eighties, and it was very eighties, like a thousand eighties songs on the soundtrack, etc. Um, which episode is that about? What's it? It's one? the two women. It's like a lesbian love story that goes back to the eighties. I don't remember. Um, it's great, uh, but he, yeah, the it, I don't know if it's the CBS stink on it or what, but there's just like this. Nothing feels cool about it. I, I it's hard to put a finger on. It feels like a CBS show. I mean, and I can't fault anybody working on the show for that. CBS is going to get their fingerprints all over the thing, but yeah. But I mean, just no part of this connects. It just makes no fucking sense. And again, the end the end twist is very cool, but it's not enough to save the episode. And then the final punch of this episode, again, no offense to the writer, it's just complete, completely fucking ripped off of one of the most famous horror movies of all time. I mean, it's just, just a complete, it's literally somebody just being like, we're just going to do the thing from that movie at the very, very end. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what the? Guys, you what? Why did you just do that? Because it doesn't even in the movie that I'm referring to, and I can't say because it's going to spoil the ending. In the movie that I'm referring to, this thing at the end makes sense because it goes along with the concept of the movie. At the end of this thing, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Right? There's no foreshadowing. It, it's just it's just crazy. It's crazy, and you've got. You know, he's like, he becomes famous over three days or something. And like, that's the other thing I couldn't tell him. Like, is this supposed to be a time lapse? Because it seems like three sets. After he realizes what does work on stage, he still keeps opening with the same joke that always bombs. And you're like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. I I got to say that really stuck in my craw too. And every time he started with that terrible joke, I was like, God damn it like it, it, it's an annoying watch it's a really irritating watch because you just have to keep hearing this joke and i don't know man so that was episode one i that being said i did not go into episode two with any sort of excitement i was rolling my eyes before i even hit play and i will say this at the top episode two reinstilled my faith in the show i enjoyed it it kept me on the edge of my seat I it made much more cohesive sense to me. It still tried to do a little too much, but it, it but it at least landed the plane. Episode no two is called Twenty Thousand Terror, Night, Twenty Thousand Feet Nightmare at Thirty Thousand Feet. And wasn't that the Shatner one and the Lithgow one? It's a classic Richard Matheson story. Yes, and it was the Shatner one, and then it was remade as the Lithgow one. Uh, a yeah. little inside info: Matheson. Here's what I find confusing: Matheson hated the Lithgow version. 
Uh-huh. He hated it because he was like... They did have nice little nods like they, you know, Don, uh, somebody named Donner and both. Richard Donner directed that that segment of the Twilight Zone movie and uh, Joe Donner, Joe Dante, Richard Donner, you know. Little nods, little fun nods you can catch in both episodes. Well, I think Donner directed the original episode and Dante directed the thing in the movie, I think. No, Donner directed the, the movie. He, w- he wouldn't he have even been alive, I don't think. Oh, he would have been alive, but I don't think he was a director. You sure? Yeah, there was four segments. Spielberg, Dante, Donner, and John Landis, who killed uh, family. Donner was the fourth guy. All right, any, well, anyway. Um, the, uh, make sure, god damn it. I know Donner did something, I think, with the original Twilight. I think he directed one or two of the original Twilight. Anyway, while you look that up, here's what I found. George Miller. God damn it. Directed what? The, the la- That's right. George Miller. I was wrong. Yeah. We'll see if Donner directed Dick the... Dick Donner. Um, here's the thing. Matheson hated the, the George Miller version with Lithgow because he said it started at 10. He goes, the, the thing opens with the guy in the middle of a nervous breakdown. He was like, it, it's not supposed to do that. It's supposed to, you're supposed to see a guy going slowly crazy right. over the course of the flight. So then there's, some, there's a place for him to get to, uh, to go to an extreme. So they actually did that in this version, which I thought was cool. And I thought honored Richard Matheson's original vision. However, the story of this one is so incredibly different I'm like, why is it saying that this is based on Richard Matheson? Because Richard Matheson isn't even alive to go, cool. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. this is really just an airplane episode <laughs> of the Twilight Zone. That you, being you said. You were annoyingly right. Richard Donner directed the original. Thank you. Um, yeah, he's like 85, dude. He is very old. I just think of him as being an 80s director, so I didn't. But that's he, only 15 years earlier. So I've looked it up. He didn't do Superman until he was like 51 or something. Yeah. Like, so. Um, well, you're you're much more of a, of a zone head. I've only seen the first season and scattered highlights. I have seen this episode. I have seen the Shatner version, the Lithgow version, and I thought, okay, Shatner and Lithgow, two of the greatest hams of our time. And then to be given Adam Scott, I was troubled because he is not that actor. I did think he did a solid job in it, but um, I boy, I like this a lot less than you did. And I'm not sure I followed it. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, the whole time I'm like, scroll ahead in the podcast, find out what's going on, <laughs> stop listening to it in real time, find out what to do, save yourself. It was kind of, well, That's that again harkens back to what I was saying about like, they tried to do too much. Like, he gets on the plane. Okay, so the setup is he's had a traumatic experience in, uh, was it Fallujah or something? He's a reporter. He's covering war t- territories, whatever, war zones. He had a traumatic experience. He's getting on a plane to go back to work. He had a nervous breakdown. So it's all, it's all the same setup as the last, as the original version, basically. This guy's been through something, right. and now he's got to fly, and he's not thrilled about flying. Uh, this one, again, things that just didn't need to be there, like... At the beginning, he does this body scan thing in the airport, and everything in the airport looks like it's 20 years in the future from now. And you're like, that's not what a body scanner looks like in an airport. Like, this guy would be flying out of fucking Chicago or LA, you know, one of the major hubs, and it's like, I've been to the major. That's not what it looks like. Why are you making this look weirdly futuristic right now when it's clearly not supposed to be the future? 
So that's one thing that's odd. He gets on the plane. He finds a weird-looking MP3 player in his seat that has this podcast on it about a flight that's gone missing, and the and then as he listens to it, it's the flight that he's Can I on. tell you, and I was following this very carefully and not high or drinking or anything else, I thought he was just listening to his own iPod. No, which he finds that in his seat. Yeah. And it, again, it just overcomplicates it. Just make it be that he's listening. To me, it's more interesting if he's listening to his own thing that he likes. Right. Because then he goes, then that gives himself doubt. This can't be. I listen to this show all the time. This is impossible. Yeah. You know, they, they, they just put a little too much onto everything. You know, and it's like, all right. But anyway, that all being said. This thing didn't really do anything uh, too crazily new. We, you know, uh, you, you've you all kind of... Well, there's no gremlin on the plane, which I was waiting for the entire time. The no. In both other versions, there's a gremlin on the plane, like, freaking him out. Well, that's why I say it's weird to say it's based on Matheson's story. It's right. not really. It's just a guy... At the end, you know, when he lands, there's a little fun Easter egg where there's a, a little gremlin doll uh, when he falls into the ocean as a little mm-hmm. wink but i mean trying to do too much I, I absolutely it was a half hour and i found myself sort of confused i like uh chris diamantopoulos who plays the uh i mean i, I don't know Mystery why, why are we trying to not spoil things on this uh well because if you don't have amazon prime you can't even see you know i don't or know. youtube or well you can't see this one on youtube i don't know i feel like this is a little Harder to get to than some of the others. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's it. Go ahead, spoil it. I just the the reveal that this guy was the pilot. You know, I I didn't know what the th- I didn't follow the theme. I, I just felt lost, and I guess it's because when I get, when I get lost in something and I'm not, I keep rewinding it. It generally means I just don't care, and I didn't care about this at all. Um, this could have been much more streamlined it didn't have to have it didn't need it it didn't need the it didn't need the mysterious man that he like lets into the cock it just didn't need any of that there was a way they could because what happens ultimately and here's the spoiler is by trying to save the plane he actually allows the man who crashes the plane access to the cockpit yeah um, that could have been done uh, many different ways without having to have that character be some mysterious guy that's in his ear the whole time on top of the mysterious podcast that he's listening to Yeah. on top of him now acting weirdly in a plane where everybody is on high alert because of racial tensions and, and religious tensions and all mm-hmm. these other things. You know, there was a lot to be said about a white guy suspiciously talking to Russian people on a plane, Russian immigrants on a plane or to uh, Islamic people. I thought like those moments, I was like, this is really great. Like he has to kind of shake down these people a little bit and he's going to look like a racist. And he's also this writer about how we're supposed to be more tolerant. That's a nice little fucking detail in there. That's a very awkward thing. And I was cringing for him. But at the same time, you're like, just let that be what it is. Let it just be that he is freaking out. He, he, you know, it, it, it manifests itself in the worst possible scenarios for him on the plane. And then because he causes a stink, 
the plane gets hijacked and it crashes. Right. It doesn't have to be that there's this weirdo guy there like, hey, I'm with you, buddy. Yeah. And I, you know, almost giving it away. And, you know, especially, look, I mean, the the, the story's nothing new either of... But wait, saying, and then he runs into him at the magazine desk ahead of time, the uh, Hudson News or whatever. Yeah. He's... What is he? He's a figment of his imagination? He's a real person? That's why... It's two episodes in a row they did that, and I don't like it. Yeah. Because it was the same thing with the Tracy Morgan character. Right. You you didn't know if he was dead... Right. Or if he was a ghost or well, if he was the, really there or the ending when it's the, like lost and they're all coming on the island and walking over to them. I'm like, what? Yeah. I didn't follow that either. Are they in heaven? Is I... No, no. The end of the thing is, is the podcast plays again and it says the second part of this is everybody that crashed on that flight was miraculously alive and saved. The only missing person was the Adam Scott character. Right. And the reason he was missing is, is because they all kill him because they're like, you caused us to crash into the ocean. Mm. So his own idea of civility turns on him and they murder him. I was confused about the fucking timeline of the thing. So the podcast is happening in the, it's, it's a future event that he's listening to now. Supposedly. I mean, that that's a lot to grasp. That's why I'm saying stop layering, stop putting other layers of icing on top of it. Just let it let it be that he's listening to his favorite podcast to try to calm down. And right. then on his favorite podcast, they're like, yeah, man, we're going to talk about flight, whatever. And he's like, wait, what? That's it's, so much fucking cooler. It's, I don't need everything dumbed down and simplified, but like I didn't understand what was going on. The the podcast is in the future, so Adam Scott is dead from the beginning. No, he's or, not dead. Then what is the podcast? He's. It's just the. It's the. It's the strange anomaly that he is on a plane. He finds a mysterious podcast player, MP3 player. He starts listening to this podcast, and this podcast is somehow saying in real time what is happening, and that the plane's going to crash. So then he starts freaking out, trying to save, prevent the plane crash, and in preventing it, he manifests what is inevitably going to happen, which is the plane gets hijacked and it crashes. I forget what that term is. Mm-hmm. There's a term for that. It's called I, I can't remember. I'm not even going to try to remember, but. This is my point. You've all we've all heard that story or seen that story before, where the guy reading the book and then he looks up and he's like, "Wait a yes. minute, this book is talking about what's happening right now." Right. We've all seen that before. Uh, it's 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 a bit of a confusing thing. So then, don't on top of it put all this other shit that you got to sift through right. and keep track of that just muddies it. And yeah. again, back to us. And I'm not trying to be a appeal. Uh, bully here i'm a fan of jordan peele it's the same problem us had it's got too much fucking shit on top of too much fucking shit and then after a while you start losing focus of what the story is and it can streamline it man streamline the goddamn thing every original twilight zone the good ones and that's most of them which is rare in a tv series of five seasons right that show is super economical it's always crystal clear it's fucking start to finish, dude. Yeah. It's like four characters. Right. The first episode is, I was talking to Pinkstone about this. The first episode is, where is everybody? Mm-hmm. And it's the guy alone. Right. Completely alone. He doesn't know where anybody's gone. And then at the end of it, you find out he's in some containment experiment with the army. Yeah. Like, 
that's what the Twilight Zone is. And a, a reporter commented on that too about, with a review of this saying like it's not really capturing the concept of the outsider looking in. Right. You know, the the Twilight Zone was kind of this thing about like, well, what if you were str- not I'm saying it wrong. What if you were put into a into a, a bizarre situation, but you were the only one in that you were so, so alone yeah. and having to figure it out. They're kind of bringing in these ancillary characters that are also part of the situation, but you don't understand why yeah. it would make way more fucking sense, you know. If a guy came in and said, like, you know, like when they would do that on the original show, a guy would come in and he would go, I'm a dealer of rare antiquities. Mm -hmm. And he would sell the guy something. And then the thing he sold the guy would be like fucked up. Right. And make weird shit happen. And then the guy would have to go find the dealer and be like, get take this back. It's ruining my life. Yeah. But this it's like, why does a ghostly Tracy Morgan come into the club and give a guy bad advice on how to be a good comedian. That one I was like, is this a commentary on comedy that you have to be a piece of shit? And then also, so does that mean everybody else doing well at the club except for him is a fucking asshole? You know what I mean? Does that mean the black girl character is an asshole? And then they portray her to be a fucking asshole in real life. And I'm like, well, what is this? Just a fuck you to all comedians? Yeah, well, I mean, they were were telling uh, Kumail's character like, you know, you got to make it more about you, which is like crashing and all these other shows. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I got so little out of both of these episodes, and I am much less of a fan than you. I'm sure you were very frustrated as a Twilight Zone fan. I know you liked the second one. I'm a fan. It offends me as a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just they really both rubbed me the wrong way, and I was pumped about having you know i i just bought the tales from the crypt box because i've never seen any of them you know i I'm like jealous of you you're gonna there, there's there's some doozies but you're gonna yeah. have a lot of fun with a lot of those i love a short you know anthology horror and i think the time has come i realize there's like, like one on shutter there's another one on amazon prime i think there's one on netflix and they're all like they have no traction nobody watches them i thought this was going to be it but in a world where we have Black Mirror, man, I mean, th- this really, really pales in comparison. Off off the the starting line, I'm going to keep watching. I'm going to give it a chance. But like the coming soon on episode three, oh boy. No, and that, I think, if it's not, it looks very much like an adaptation of the Hitchhiker episode. Yeah. Or no, I'm sorry. I f- it's not the Hitchhiker. The f- I forget what it's called, but there's a lady going from town to town and there's a cop she keeps seeing behind her. Yeah. Or a hitchhiker she keeps seeing behind her, something like that. It looks a lot like that one. I've never found that episode to be any very riveting. Um, I also thought, again, like I enjoyed t- Nightmare at 30,000 Feet. I thought that was a strange choice to remake. It's already been remade once, you know? Go for some deeper cuts. Like there's so much... It's just a wealth of material there that's never been adapted or, or, or revitalized or anything. Are they going to be doing any just originals? And, I, and well, the, shouldn't the they? comedian is an original? Well, that's true. That's it's true. just but it's you're just saying very it's very derivative. To other ones, derivative. Yeah. Yeah, but like, look here. There's a there's an awesome episode in the '80s Twilight Zone about a comic played by uh, um, um, who's the guy who plays like Doll Man, and uh, he was in Rhinestone. The guy in Who's Harry Crumb that like dates Annie Barry Corbin. 
No. No. Tim Thomerson. Never heard of him. He's the guy in Who's Harry Crumb that dates Annie uh, Potts. Okay. He's having the affair with her. Okay. Anyway, Tim Thomerson. Sure. There's an episode of him from the 80s, Twilight Zone, where he's a comic, and he's like, it opens on him on this show, and he's killing. He's fucking killing. And he comes off stage, and he finds out that you, you find out that he stole a bit from somebody. Yeah. And, you know, and he's like, that guy wasn't doing anything with that bit. I made it the fucking, I, it made me famous because I knew what to do with it. Like, and you find out he's like kind of a piece of shit. Yes. And he gets into a car accident and then he ends up in this club and they're like, you're, you're twice a night, you're headlining, you're the biggest thing, it's packed rooms every night. And he thinks he's in heaven and he goes on stage and he does all his A-list material and it all bombs. And then the more bombs, the more frustrated he gets. So he starts lashing out at the crowd. Right. And then he's like, you just sit there. You just lay there like my second wife. Yeah. You give me this fucking attitude. That's why I hit her. Because she deserved to be hit. And he starts letting out all these horrible secrets. And then they start howling right. at all the dark secrets. And then he realizes he's in hell. And the only way for him to, to perform every night is to come face to face with his darkest secrets. It's 12 minutes long. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. You're like, yeah, that's that's... Set up at the top that he's a piece of shit and then show the payoff. To go back to this comedian, and it, this is a problem with a lot of movies and TV shows about com stand-up comedy, the audience will be howling. And and Kumail is not saying anything close to a joke or funny. I think that's the point, though. I think the point is is that it's it doesn't even have to be funny at that point. He's just saying awful things about people. But what what is that? saying you know like well that's why i asked you i was like there, there were many points in this look i i'll say this flat out and you disagreed with me i think that that black girl character was absolutely a fucking shot at tiffany haddish a hundred percent i haven't seen anyone saying that i i believe you but i didn't she didn't remind me of tiffany haddish she I, ends her set with going and that's any impulsive joke and then she's uh -huh. dancing backwards and she's very very animated uh-huh I, I and this this was clearly supposed to be some sort of commentary on modern comedy. They got in the Me Too shit. Yeah, they got in the fat misogynistic uh, pig guy. Every right. white comic in that episode was a fucking asshole. Right, <laughs> like like it was clearly a commentary of some kind on mo some kind of modern day comedy. Yeah. And I was like, huh, that's a little strange to me. Like that seems like it's supposed to maybe be a shot at Tiffany, and then. This all seems sort of like a shot at comedy in general. Like I like, never knew why anyone was laughing or why, why they weren't laughing, and I, I don't know. And then even the clientele, like like oh, these are the douchebags that would go to the comedy store, hedge fund investors, right? Even that part was absurd. Where the guys like I make about eighty five thousand a week. It's like this is not how heckling works. Yeah, you go see a show, <laughs> <laughs> like. This is crazy. Right. So I, I don't know. That's that's the Twilight Zone. We're an hour 20. We're way fucking over here. All right. I don't know how many they're doing. Um, I, I think about 12. I think it is about 12 or something. I cannot uh, give my money to CBS, so I'm going to cancel my uh, <laughs> subscription and, and wait till at some point it, it gets put out and watch it another way. But um, <laughs> yeah, I might do the same because I mean, I'll tell you this. I'm like, what else is on this app? I don't want to watch the good fight. There's nothing on the app. But I mean, I uh, the the truth is, and it's not even like people whispering behind their hands. People have seemed 
pretty let down by these episodes. And I would imagine knowing CBS, there was a tremendous amount of interference. I don't know that for sure, but I would imagine. And it can't really shake that feel of it feels like a CBS drama. And if CBS does anything right, it ain't drama. Um, So I don't know. They missed the mark. I don't think CBS gets it for a second. I think they got it at one point. I think whoever is there now, they don't get it. Yeah. And I've, I said this to you, too. This is the only iteration of the Twilight Zone, including the Forrest Whitaker version, right. if I'm remembering correctly, where they put the host's name in the opening credits. Like like it, when they when they show who's starring in each episode, it says and Jordan Peele as the narrator. They never did that. They always let there be a mystery, even though you knew who that was kind of in the 80s one. You don't even see him. It's yeah. just a voiceover. But even in the fucking movie, when Burgess Meredith narrated it, and that was a nod to the original Twilight Zone, and Burgess Meredith was a legend of Hollywood, they didn't write at the top of the fucking movie and Burgess Meredith as the narrator. Like I just that that couldn't couldn't have bugged me any less. But um, I think it speaks to modern television. No, you got to have their name there, right? They, you got to have their name. Like, no, that could have been. It could have been in Jordan Peele's contract. Could have been an agent thing. You never know. But whoever like, made the call, it was a bad call. It's, it's just it to me. That's a, and he's doing a little like arch eyebrow move when he says the Twilight Zone, like almost like a wink. Like goes <laughs> the Twilight Zone, raises his eyebrow, kind of like I couldn't, I couldn't figure out the tone of this thing. I will tell you this. He is as much of a Twilight Zone fan as I am. Yeah. And if I got put at the helm of the new Twilight Zone, yeah. and somebody said, and we're going to put your name in the credits, I would have said, no, you're fucking not. You could put it at the end if you want. You mm-hmm. do not put my name with the cast at the beginning. Right. That's not how this show works. I'm telling you, all those little details are what make something. They add up. They add up. The okay. devil's in the details. That's are you I'm continuing? Saying. I mean, are you keeping the app and going down the road with it? I mean, you you hate CBS. I didn't even get to make money from them. I yeah. mean, they fired me before I even could make any money. So, <laughs> I mean, I feel dumb keeping the app, too. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, so I don't know. It's And it's six bucks a month for the one with commercials, and they go with minimal ads. It's like four solid minutes of ads. Well, since I knew episode. I was just doing the trial, I just went ahead and got the... Ah, shit, I forgot. Because I, I knew it was free, so why not? I was too afraid I'd forget to shut it off, and then I would just keep paying right. $12 a month. Anyway, folks, that's our show. Uh, this comes out when? Monday? So, uh, Joe DeRosa Comedy uh, on Instagram. Sorry, folks, I'm not going to be in Valley Forge at the casino. After all, I apologize. I had to cancel due to a scheduling conflict, but I'll try to reschedule that as soon as possible. I don't think many Hellions are out that way anyway, and if you worry, I probably saw you at the Philly show's a little while back uh but i will however be uh this weekend at the uh in milwaukee wisconsin at the such and such casino bonkers presents so google bonkers milwaukee joe DeRosa. you'll find the shows there's two saturday uh at a casino please come out and make those shows tolerable uh because it is a long ass fucking trip out there and back and the second I land is like the second I leave. So anyway, uh, that's about it for now. New story in Penthouse in this current issue. And um, Bill Burr and I have, uh, well, that Bill Burr, well, I'm not going to plug that because we got to switch it up. But, uh, but Bill Burr and I have a podcast called Uninformed again and more to come on that. 
I'm at the Patrick Walsh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, our next episode will be all things Pet Cemetery. That's probably going to be a juicy one. We're going to be talking Pet Cemetery, the Stephen King novel. We're going to be talking Pet Cemetery, the 1989 movie and the new movie. We're going to be talking Pet Cemetery 2. We're going to be talking the documentary about Pet Cemetery, which is now on Shudder. Uh, a lot to chew on. So we will see you next time, and we will see you in hell. A podcast network.